0: Welcome to The Endgame, a podcast about the positive aspects of aging with grace, with joy, and with purpose. I'm your host, Don Auction. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get on with today's show. My guest today is Margaret Nash. She is a life coach, a lifelong seeker, a hippie at heart, And the author of seven books, among them Rebellious Aging and The Retirement Rebel, both part of her Hippie at Heart series of self help books. She's a certified master practitioner and trainer in neuro linguistic programming, hypnotherapy, and timeline therapy. An Alabama native, she had a very successful sales training career in England for many years, and she currently coaches online and in person from San Miguel de Allende, Mexico. Margaret, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Could you take a minute, first of all, to explain what you mean by hippie at heart?
1: (laughs) Okay. There are a lot of... I could distinguish between an old hippie and an old hippie at heart, and I would say I'm an old hippie at heart, and those of us, it's those of us who went through the whole hippie thing and are renegades and independent thinkers and we loved all that era. And then we grew up and went to college and had kids and got married and had kids, well, whichever way, and um, got jobs and became normal. Um, But at heart, we're still, we're still those renegades and we still like to do things differently, and we lived, we've we lived different lives from our parents, and um, there are consequences to that, and I address those in uh, Rebellious Aging and in Retirement Rebel. They're, they're ones I've come up against. So I don't look like a hippie, but I am at heart.
0: <laughs> right. Well, and I'm not wearing my beads either, but still. <laughs> um, so... Following that theme, how do you see retirement being different for our, our generation than, say, for our grandparents?
1: Well, we are much more mobile. We uh, travel, um, we are tribeless. I, I deal with being tribeless in, in both of those books. Um, we don't we don't stay where we grew up, so we don't have the church and we don't have the community. And um, most of us have lived in different places. And uh, like me, I've lived in different countries. I lived in in Europe for 30 years um, in England, and um, now I'm living in Mexico. And it doesn't seem weird to me, but it w- it would have been to my parents. Um, and uh, I don't I don't belong to any. Groups, um, I find it hard to belong to them because, as soon as somebody tells me what I have to believe, I I run like heck, you know. So, so I don't okay. have the support systems that um, our parents had. Um, and retirement is a big step, and we go through all these transitions without the kind of support that um, we would have if we'd stayed back in our hometowns.
0: Well, that sounds like a rather, rather sad commentary, uh, is <laughs> is, is, reti- okay. is retirement just a sad story or is there more to it than that for us?
1: <laughs> no, not at all. Well, I think that most of us w- who have lived these kind of lives of, of um, being adventurous and being a bit of a renegade, I think we wouldn't trade it for anything. Um But there's there are just little pitfalls that we need to watch out for, and uh, one of those, some of those are the things I was talking about about being tribeless and all. But no, 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 Um, it's it's an exciting time, um, and we can make it more exciting than it used to be for our parents. How? I mean, they were told they had to retire at sixty-five. And that was it. There was a line. You stopped at 65. You were kicked out of your place of work, um, no matter how vibrant you were and young at heart. And um, you had to deal with that. And we can deal with things differently. So this is what the retirement rebel is about. Like, for instance, um, there's a lot of us who are semi-retired now. I imagine you're one. (laughs) I'm certainly one. Semi-retired. Um, So we do things our way. Um, we make our own rules about how we want to live at this time of life. And um, it's it's uh, not just giving up work altogether, because there's a lot of pitfalls with that. And we can talk about that.
0: Well, you mentioned uh, that it's a big transition. And uh, I noticed that in your book, mm-hmm. you quote William Bridges, who wrote one of the first books about mm-hmm. experiencing life transitions. And Clearly, yeah. you see retirement as being a very important transition period. Do a lot of people have difficulty making that transition, in your observation?
1: A lot, yeah. I mean, I deal with, um, I, I, I'm i a coach, and I deal with people almost every day who um, are going through retirement or looking to retire, not quite sure what they want to do. Most people, it's, it's interesting, most people... Um, of my of our generation, who I would call the hippie at heart, um, I want to move when they retire, um, and so they want to relocate. They want to do something exciting. They want to go to a different country and or or a different place in where they're living and um, from where they're living. And um, they do that. They want to do that at the same time they retire. They give up their work. And this, these, are, and at the same time, they might be going through empty nest, or they probably a lot of them are getting divorced, and um, it's it's just a huge transition time. And one of the pitfalls that I talk about in the Retirement Rebel is how we um, tend to pile on all these transitions at one time, and it's too much, and we can go into tailspin if we're not careful. So it's about kind of pacing. <laughs>
0: Right, each one of those would be very, very high on on the stress scale, and uh, you put exactly you put two or three of them together, and you're talking about uh, an aneurysm or a heart attack or something.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. If you're not careful, so yeah, and there's a lot of grieving that needs to go on too because you're leaving an old life, um, an old lifestyle, and it's mm. exciting um, and it can be fun. But you just need to be aware of the pitfalls that you're going through these changes and you need to give yourself some space and try to limit the number of changes you go through at one time. Um, Like if you're moving to a different country, like I moved to Mexico, uh, you don't want to be doing a whole lot of other things at the same time, you know, big transitions. Um, So, you know, it's about kind of trying to pace yourself. And then, then you can make it work.
0: Yeah. Your point yeah. about grieving is really interesting, uh, because mm-hmm. I I think that a lot of people who have been very successful at work uh, really mourn the loss of that respect. And the the idea of letting go of that is really, really hard. I never thought of it though as a Absolutely. as a grief, but it is. It's a grieving.
1: Mm-hmm. And and if you can go through the grieving process, because you're going through every change, every transition, and Bridges talks about this, William Bridges, every transition um, involves a death or something, something's dying, um, Mm. but that doesn't necessarily mean um, you have to be sad, but if you can recognize it for what it is. And before, when when I was talking about when we lived in our communities, that we'd been in for 60 years and still went to the same church and all of that, we would have a community around us of people going through the same thing and we would have support and it would be a part of life. Um, Now we're kind of on our own. So we've got to, we've got to find our own supports and build our own, um, you know, tribes and um, to kind of help us through these things, these, uh, these transitions.
0: In your book, you talked about four pitfalls that can really mess up retirement. Can you elaborate a little mm-hmm. bit on those? <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah, they're my four C's. Um, changes, too many changes, which we've just talked about all at once. Um, because um, retirement in itself is a big transition, and there's going to be a grieving process that you need to go through. So try to limit the number of things you're going through at the time. Um, Too many choices. Now, this is very much a first world problem, um, you know, and uh, I I acknowledge that. But we in the West, especially um, in Europe and the United States, We have the whole world we can do. You know, we usually have a a lot of us have enough money to go out and do travel wherever we want to move and go and move to. And um, we have opportunities. Do you want to live in Santa Fe? Do you want to go to Portugal? You know, and where should we go and this sort of thing? Um, We have too many choices um, about what to do. And that can be um, if you've read Chicks and and Flo. He talks about this, how this is, this is stressful. When you've got too many things, you just shut down too many choices. You shut down and you get overwhelmed. So it's about limiting your choices. And that can be, that can be tough. And first world problem, don't get your hankies out, you know, (laughs) because not enough choices can be just as bad, but this is one that I particularly have seen with the people I work with. Um, and then, um, the, too much clutter. Um, you need to get rid of stuff. It's time to get rid of starting, get rid of stuff. Don't don't buy new things. <laughs> you know, get rid of things, <laughs> and minimal minimalist living can really. I'm I mean I'm not a minimalist by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm a lot better than I used to be, and that can really help um, if you've got too much stuff around you. Um, you know, even your computer, you know, I just spent two days with my coach uh, cleaning up my computer. It was like, a, it was like a hoarder's thing, you know, where you wanted to just shut the door on it. You know, you didn't want anybody to see it, you know, how many unread emails and things like that. My my Dropbox was like a nightmare, you know. And so, you know, cleaning up your life and living more, as you get older, you don't want all these things. And people, about they want to move to a different country. And what can I take with me? And I'm like, don't take anything. (laughs) You won't want it. And it's, you know, just take your clothes and maybe a book or two, you know, some some old notes from training and that sort of thing, which have been useful. But otherwise, just just move, you know. (laughs) There's stuff everywhere. You don't need it. And what's the fourth C? Um, um, Oh, not enough challenge. And this goes back to uh, Mihail and Flo. Um, one of the things that...
0: Can I just say, first of all, just I just want to tell you that I think you're incredibly brave to pronounce that man's name because <laughs> I've been looking at it for 30 years. And all I ever do is I look at it and I say, Dr. C, <laughs> the guy with flow, <laughs> him. I'm
1: not sure I've got it right. <laughs> you know, a Hungarian might say that's not how you pronounce it. <laughs> but... <laughs> This one in some ways is the most important because what we grieve when we leave our work is we, we start not having challenge, you know, sitting on a beach and sipping drinks or something like that sounds like ideal or, you know, moving to an exotic place and, Oh, it sounds like so much fun after six months when you've got nothing to do, uh, what you're missing is challenge and challenge is what keeps us alive and young and, 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 retirement rebels. That's the key challenge.
0: Got to challenge yourself. Now, a lot of social scientists that I've read put a lot of emphasis on the importance of having a purpose and a passion that propels you. Mm. Uh, You, on the other hand, Mm -hmm. have taken a different take on it uh, where you say, I don't believe we have one life purpose. I think we have purposes for different times and different lives. So we can have more than one. Mm-hmm. You want to explain yeah. what your thinking is on that?
1: You just said it really. Um, I think that maybe we have, from the spiritual sense, you know, an over overriding life purpose that all of us kind of share, um, and that just depends on what your philosophical, you know, uh, belief is. Like it's to serve, or it's to develop, or it's to grow. Um, however, if you're talking about a more relative. Um, purpose. I think at different times in our life, we have different things that we need to do. When you're younger and you're bringing up children, um, you've got a different purpose from when you retire. So it's about rethinking your life from that standpoint. You really do need to think when you retire and you move somewhere different, um, what purpose you have, because that's what keeps people, once again, it's what keeps people happy and motoring and young and Vibrant. Does that explain it? <laughs> kind of. I think so. <laughs> what? What more um, do you want me to say?
0: <laughs> no, I think I think that's helpful. And and mm. along a related point, you you make an observation that that resonates with me. Mm-hmm. The retirement blues spring from the conundrum that when we finally get all the time in the world to do what we want, we don't know what to do with that <laughs> time.
1: Yeah. That's it, yeah. So, yeah, rethinking your purpose. Um, and Napoleon Hill, I believe, calls in his in his uh, book of Thinking Grow Rich, he calls it the your definite chief aim, which I like that. Um, that can change. Um, and that's what I'm trying to say. We, when you're younger, when you're um, at different ages, you can be very ambitious. You can want to achieve things. You can want to be part of the world. It's the warrior archetype or the athlete archetype, getting out in the world and making a difference and you know, making a name for yourself, making money. And as you get older, you find that that ambition is just like, where did it go? You know, um, And you can't be bothered to do certain things because you maybe don't have the energy. And so you have to really rethink, why am I working? Why do I want to work? Why do I want to be challenged? And it's something we all need to rethink. And maybe those purposes were always there. But for for me, for instance, I used to be very competitive Um When I lived in England, I was a salesperson and I was a business trainer and traveled all over Europe and that sort of thing. I don't want to do that now. Um, So, why do I want to keep working? And for me, it became well, this is what helps me develop. And personal development is very important to me. Um, You know, learning things and uh, keeping kind of fresh and alive and connected with the world um, is really important. If I, if I stopped working, then my world would contract. Who would I be with? You know, I'd see some friends for lunch, or, you know, who, who would I talk to? I wouldn't be talking to you right now if I weren't working, you know. So it's, a, it's about connecting and feeling a part of, you know, the world around you and um, growing and developing. That didn't used to be particularly important to me it is now. (laughs) So it's that kind of, that kind of idea.
0: It sounds like a retirement for a person who is still a hippie at heart is not so much um, (laughs) playing frisbee and, and counting your love beads and, and (laughs) waving peace signs. Uh, (laughs) It sounds like there has to be more to it than that. (laughs) Well, (laughs) can you, can yeah. you kind of draw a picture of what what some of us who have that that yearning uh, can look forward to in a retirement? Which what, sh- what should we be? Th- how should it look?
1: How should it look? Um, well, I'm big, big, big on semi-retirement. Okay. Um, I, I like that a lot. Semi-retirement is the it seems to be the the new thing. I have a lot of people who are in there clients who are in their late 70s even some in their 80s who are still working and don't have any intention of stopping Um, and they love it and it keeps them alive it keeps them relevant it keeps them connected like I say Um, and uh, I think that's the way ahead people don't we 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 don't want to retire. We, that sounds like knitting and playing golf. Um, and, uh, a lot of us don't play golf and some of us don't knit. And, um, you know, that used to be the thing people did, you know, they would just relax and just fade off into the sunset. And we, we don't want to do that. There's no need to, we find things, we find a lot of us work on the internet. Um, and, uh, and there's no need to retire. We don't have to expend as much energy. We, we maybe don't have the energy to get up at 6 every day and go off somewhere to work, um, and that's okay. Um, you don't have to. And, like, for me, I, I'm, I'm still coaching, but I decide the number of co- people I want to coach each week, and I keep it limited, and, you know, I have criteria that fits with my life now. And I like to have plenty of time to play with my dog. <laughs> and go out to lunch
0: oh good but not totally oh good i did
1: that for a while i did it for a while and i nearly went crazy you well a lady who lunches
0: <laughs> yeah no but i think too yeah. unlike our parents we're going to have longer most likely to be retired and and exactly um, exactly like, yeah. two years of knitting might be okay but 30 years of knitting seems untenable
1: <laughs> yes Or even six months, (laughs) two years is too long.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you, Margaret, for some very refreshing perspectives on how our baby boom generation can approach aging in retirement. It has been a real pleasure to talk to you.
1: It's been a pleasure to talk to you too.
0: Great. And you can read more about Margaret Nash's coaching practice and find links to her book at her website margaretnashcoach.com Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our free weekly newsletter, The End Game at theendgame.substack.com I'm Don Auction, wishing you all the best in aging with grace, with joy, and with purpose. I hope you'll join us for future programs here at The Endgame.